tonight, we're going to continue. Boy, I didn't know we were going to have the, the, this message. I thought it was going to be so short. But see, that's the spirit of the Lord. Amen? Can you imagine the word faith in the Bible? Has it been a blessing to you? No, seriously. Has it been a blessing to you? Okay. We're going to continue then. And what we've been dealing with, the message is the word faith. We're dealing with the word faith. The subtitle is understanding or understand the various, this is volume two, understand the various shades of meanings of the word faith as used in the Bible. Message number six, the word faith in the New Testament number 10. Praise God. By way of introduction, we, here's what we have found so far. We found, and pay attention here, we found that that word faith, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is one word, but it has different shades of meaning. Is that clear? And if you don't understand the different shades of meaning, you'll get confused. Amen? you misunderstand things. And then, in some trying to solve this problem, create unnecessary controversies. That's what we've been dealing with. So we found out that in the Old Testament, there are at least three shades of meaning of the word faith in the Old Testament. First and foremost, we saw that with the exception of one place, that word in its noun form, faith, was used only once. Every other place, faith was involved or implied in the Old Testament. It was a word to believe. Is that what we found out? Okay. Secondly, we saw, at the end of the day, we saw there are at least three different shades of meaning of faith in the Old Testament. One is that word to believe. I wouldn't get into the Hebrew tonight. And one is also the word faithfulness. Is that true? Huh? One was the word what? The idea of what? Faithfulness. The other was to believe. And by implication, whatever they talked about to believe, then there was faith there. Is that correct? As a pair of uh, faculty of apprehension. Are you all following? Hmm? So there are at least three different shades of meanings in the Old Testament. Number one, I said is what? Anybody remembers? To believe. And that means there is faith as, as, a, as a spiritual sense organ right there. Is that correct? Okay. Another way it's used is in the Old Testament, faithfulness. Hmm? And another way it's used is like to stand firm, to be committed, people who commit themselves to God and to God's purposes. So these are the three shades of meaning. Then we come to the New Testament. We find that there are at least four different shades of meaning of that word faith in the New Testament. Is that correct? I'll move it a little faster, okay? So the first one is faith as a re religious vocation. Or profession. You know what that means now. Somebody cited it in prayer tonight, meaning, uh, in, you know, uh, 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 faith as a religious vocation like Christianity by itself. Uh, the Bible speaks of the faith. Anywhere you see that in the New Testament, it's talking about Christianity as a religious vocation that's based on the revelation, faith, uh, you know, the, the, the revelation from God 
that Jesus is the Son of God and the only way to God. Amen? And that by his finished work on the cross, God relates with and deals with man only on that basis. So if, you know, people coming around that truth and receiving that truth and belonging to that truth, that is the faith. That's faith as a religious vocation. Amen? There are many places in the New Testament that word faith was used in that way. So if for you to get full, to understand this, get my book or you get the message before. Amen? The second use of faith in the New Testament, the word faith in the New Testament, is faith as a what? A fruit of the Holy Spirit. Is that correct? And that one is more appropriately what? Faithfulness. Which is a, an attribute whereby a man relates with God with a sense of consistency, with a sense of being able to always trust God and allowing God and man to always trust him. That's faithfulness. Okay, that's all I will say about that. Huh? There's so much we said. Is that correct? The third one is where we have been for some time now. The third one is faith as an apprehending and an appropriating facility and faculty. No big words. Those are no big words. Faith as an what? Apprehending. And what? Appropriating facility or what? Faculty. Another word for that is faith as a spirit set of spirit sense organ by which the soul apprehends or perceives God and what God has for us, which is grace. Amen? And also appropriates it. So for that reason, we can call that third form of the word faith, shade of meaning of the word faith. We can call it apprehending and what? Appropriating faith. Is that where we have been? Or you can call it that faith as a sense organ. <laughs> a spirit sense organ. Amen. I, I, I remember years and years ago, some people used to call faith the sixth sense. Because there are five natural senses. And so it was after I really did this study on my own and God showed me this. That's okay. That's why some people called it the sixth sense. sense. In, a, in, a, in a way, they were right. And I want to say that faith is not blind. People say that faith is blind. Faith is not really blind. Faith sees, but with a different set of eyes. <laughs> Spiritual eyes. Faith is not deaf, but he hears with a, a different set of ears. I, I, I think another message in that book that I would teach you, which I did over at Holland Avenue, is the five dimensions of faith as a sense organ. We did it. I know you forgot, but we come back to it. I want to make it so practical that you can exercise it any day. So we have been dealing with faith as a sense organ. That's where we are now. And here's what it is. With faith in this way, the soul of a man can apprehend or perceive. Amen? Or identify or recognize 
spiritual realities. What does that mean? It means faith can apprehend something the natural senses cannot apprehend. That's really this faith we are dealing with. Faith as a spirit sense organ. Does anybody follow? And, and I, I said before we go into what we are going to deal with today, is that anytime you see people receive something from God in the Bible, it is this faith with which they receive it. And the next faith we are going to talk about is going to be similar, but there's going to be a differentiation. That anytime people receive anything from God, any form of grace from God, hmm, it is this faith or the next faith we're going to talk about. Because it is apprehending and appropriating faith. Does anybody follow what I'm saying here? Huh? Okay. Is it helping you? Will this help your Christian life? Okay. So, we have said so much about this faith. Uh, the last thing we have been talking about is that what are the uses of this faith? There, I said there are two broad uses. Two what? Broad uses of this faith. Two main uses of this faith. Two main purposes for what? For which God gave us this faith. And this faith God has given to every man, believer and unbeliever. But the, the thing is that Unbelievers shun it completely. Believers, mm, mm, you understand what I'm saying? Believers, the best among us use it sometimes, some other times we don't use it. <laughs> okay. So, but let me show you the two main uses. Number one is apprehension and appropriation, which is what we have been dealing with. Is that correct? The primary function of this faith is what that's why we call it apprehending and appropriating faith. The primary function is the apprehension or perception and appropriation of God and all He has for you, which is summed up in one word what? Grace. Without this faith, you cannot see God, you cannot perceive God. And you cannot perceive or apprehend what he has in stock for you. And ultimately, or consequently, you cannot appropriate him or those things he has for you. You know what it means to appropriate? To lay hold of and take on to yourself for your own possession. So without this faith, you can't do that. So what are the specific things when it comes to apprehending or appropriating by faith? What are the specific things we say? to break down what we can apprehend and appropriate. Number one, the divine person of God in the form of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. If, you, if this faith is not exercised, you cannot apprehend any member of the Godhead. Amen? Amen. Number two, there's non-divine spirit persons. What are examples? Angels, Right? Then Satan is demons, principalities, and powers. Any kind of person that is not, doesn't have a physical body can be apprehended and encountered by this faith. This form of faith. Are you all following? Number three. God's gracious what? Purposes and what? Plans. For you to experience them, which is God's intention, you have to 
let the, I, I wouldn't say you have to have faith because God has already given us faith. You have to make your faith put it to work. Number four now. Gracious what? Provisions of God. Listen, the only provision of God that you don't need faith to appropriate are those that God allowed to fall on you. Come on, go to unbeliever and believer. You know there are provisions like that. Huh? Like rain falling. You don't say, go, God, don't let rain fall on my neighbor. Let it fall on me only. No, the Bible says it, the, the rain falls on everybody. But if you have the special things God has for you, you must let this faith work. Without it, you cannot experience it. Check in your Bible. Anytime people receive something from God, this faith as an appropriating and appropriating faith was at work. Without fail. Are you all following? Was there any other purpose? Number five, what? All other spiritual what? Realities. Anything out there that is a thing, but is not physically apprehensible and appropriatable, but it can only be received or perceived by the spirit senses and must be experienced, it must take faith. So, what, why did I put that big clause there? Is that anything invisible. And you know what? To begin to name such things will take a century. And yet, you are, you are not done. Did I give you scriptures for all of these? Uh, only two people say, yes, don't lie on me now. Don't deny me. Did I give you, script did I give you scriptures? Yes. That's all I needed to do. Scripture rests the arguments. The second major function of faith is what we are going to do with tonight. Are you ready? It's not very exciting. It's not very, very exciting. But you know what? It's very important. It's more important than every other thing we, we said. And it's because of this that the other function, the first function, is given. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Can anybody guess what it is? No? We're done with the apprehension and the appropriation now. We are going to the next. Huh? You, it, you can appropriate. Yeah, you're right. No? <laughs> okay, let me help you. The second major function of this form of faith is the fact that it is the sole basis. It serves as the sole basis for relationship with God. Righteousness and faithfulness. Did you understand what I said? It serves as a what? Sole basis for relationship with God. And because of that, it is the only way that anyone can receive righteousness and faithfulness. <laughs> See? And listen, this is something that not many people think of. Whenever Christians think of it, they're only thinking about what they can get. Are you following? See, a lot of things I teach you in this ministry, you may not value it until 
years down the line. And these are things that people don't even think of. But they are right there in the Bible. Before the day is over, you see scripture upon scripture upon scripture. And I sit back and ask myself, anytime you see an average believer, think of faith. All he thinks is how to grab healing here, how to get financial breakthrough there. Are you, are you hearing me? Huh? How to live a long life. And don't get me wrong, all these things are good. I need them, I want them, and I use them. But behind all of that, there is a greater purpose. <laughs> and the greater purpose is that the reason why God gave us this kind of facility and faculty known as apprehending our appropriating faith is most, for the most important reason is so that we can have a relationship with him. That's number one. And out of that relationship with him through faith, we will experience righteousness. And if we use this faith for that relationship and for the experience of righteousness on a consistent basis, we will cultivate through faithfulness. You want me to say that again? Huh? How many people want me to say that again? Why the majority is winning this time? Okay. Are you ready? Second set of reasons, which in essence is the most important reason, is uh, well, uh, um, uh, purpose for, the, for faith, this shade of meaning of faith, known as apprehending appropriate faith. Is that number one, it is God's way of having relationship with him. Relationship with God is number one. Number two, out of that relationship based on faith, huh? then we will be able to receive the gift of righteousness. We'll be righteous. We'll maintain righteousness. We'll walk in righteousness. And if we, in the cause of, if we make this relationship through faith, if we use the use, make the use of our faith regular, we maintain a steady relationship with God. Out of that, two out, outcomes will come, will, will manifest. Number one is righteousness. Number two is what? Faithfulness. So, learn to use your sense organ known as faith consistently. What you may be getting is what? A relationship with God that will never fail to end in confirmment of righteousness upon you and what? Faithfulness. Let me give you an example. You know, Abraham exercised faith for the birth of Isaac. Is that true? Okay. <laughs> but you know that Beyond Abraham receiving Isaac, he got something more. The Bible says in Genesis 15, let, 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 let's look at scripture. Okay. Genesis 15. Uh, actually, before we go to Genesis 15, let's look at another scripture first. Go to Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk 2, 
verse 4. Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Behold, as for the proud one, when you understand faith and begin to use faith, one of the things that will live your life is pride. Because you begin to appreciate grace. Pride will live. And I'll tell you why pride will live. Because if you don't live by faith, you're going to live by works and flesh. And that will make your head blow. Because you look around and say, I got this one, I accomplished this, I did this in my... I said to God, even religious people, I said to God, before I'm 25th, I will accomplish this, accomplish that. That's religious pride. Are you all following? But here's what Habakkuk said. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. See the problem with pride? Which comes out from where? Flesh. Remember? But the righteous, <laughs> the one who has been made righteous by God through faith, will live by his faith. Did you notice that? You see relationship with God there? You see, the Bible says God resists the proud. Did you notice that? And gives what? Grace to who? The humble. That's a biblical principle. Do you notice that? So then, if he says there, as for the proud one, you notice right away God is turned off. No relationship. His soul is not right within him. That, and any such soul has no relationship with God. But if you have relationship with God, that's, what, that's the only thing that can make anybody righteous. Then that person, the way to get that is by faith. And what kind of faith? Not faith as a religious vocation. Not faith as a fruit of the Spirit. But faith as an apprehending and appropriating facility and faculty. Does anybody follow? Now we're going to look at if examples of people who did that. Did that scripture help? Before we move from that scripture, you see that scripture? It was mentioned once in all of the Old Testament. But it was mentioned three times or four times in the New Testament. That's telling, is that not? Okay. L let me, before we go into stuff, le let me explain something. Let me explain something. Go with me to Second Peter. This scripture wasn't in my outline, but it will help for you to understand this. Let's look at Second Peter chapter 1. Praise the Lord. This is a little advanced, but you have been taught over the years so you can understand. And we cannot continue on milk. We have to go into bone sometimes. If you have a child and it's about 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, he keeps drinking milk, they will bombard you with social services. Did you hear me? The, bo the boys should be cracking bones. Actually, the bones they have in, in America are not real bones. I mean, you can get chicken bones, crackers right away. And when you go to where they have bone, <laughs> and they have less density than in those places than they have in America. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. Are you in Second Peter? Chapter 1. Um, go to verse 2. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice that? In what basis does grace and peace be multiplied to someone? 
in their knowledge of God. What kind of knowledge? It's not mental knowledge. It's relational knowledge. It's relational knowledge. You know, these people, they are couples, right? Huh? Okay. You know, you can ask me, do you know Brother Andrew? I say, I know Brother Andrew. Do you know Sister Cora? Yeah, I know Sister Cora. We were together so, so, so for years now. Yes. But as a relationship, they know of each other that I don't. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you can know about somebody you don't know that person. <laughs> so the knowledge of God and of Jesus here is not knowing about them. It's relationship with them. And you notice that the result is grace and what? Peace. Moving on to verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has what? Has what? Granted. What's the tense there? Past tense. I'm perfect, actually. Amen? And what did I tell you the word grant? Especially in the New Testament. When you see the word grant in the New Testament, what does it say? What does it mean? Grace. Praise the Lord. Okay. Seeing that God's divine power has granted us how many things? Everything that do what, does what pertain to what? Life and godliness. That's why I tell you that everything we ever need has been accomplished on the cross. That's one of the scriptures. Are you following? All right. Why did God do that on the cross? Just that we have well-being. Is that correct? Receive everything we need. Right? That's step one reason. But God has a deeper reason. What's the deeper reason, Apostle? Here's the deeper reason. Through the true knowledge of him, Right? Who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Next. For by this, he has graced us so well. He has given us so much grace. Which is magnificent and pro, uh, precious and magnificent what? Promises. When, I, when God showed me the revelation that he had done everything on the cross. This, when I got to this, this scripture, and, and I began to teach that as believers, for the things we need now, we don't need promises. We need provision. So every scripture I was checking to make sure my teaching is right was going very well. When I got there, I almost had a flat tire. I said, but this place says promises. Don't get me wrong, we still need promises. But for the things of the distant future, eternal future. But for now, what we need, we speak of what? Provisions. When I got there, I said, but that's promises. I said, God. I took my concordance, checked that word, interpreted promises. Guess what it was? Provisions in the Greek. So that settled it for me. Finally, finally. So that, here's the reason why God has given us all things. So that by them, by those provisions, we may become what? Partakers of what? The divine nature. Stop right there. Do you see relationship with God there? Eh? You know, and, and the relationship God wants us to have with him is not just ordinary relationship. It's not casual. It's covenantal relationship. What is covenant? Anybody remembers my definition of covenant? And don't give me legal document, legal coming together, signing and no. What is covenant? TLC understanding. That's sacrifice. Don't fool me now. That's sacrifice, which leads, culminates in Covenant. What's covenant? My definition, you've watched me ordain weddings, and I've always spoken about it. What's covenant? Mm -mm. Give me my raw definition. 
Nobody remembers. Uh, let's apologize to our guests. Please, they are not like this. They used to remember. Forgive them, for they know what they are doing. <laughs> Come on, let the guests understand what we are saying. Covenant, TLC. Nobody's living here. My time is going. Covenant. Yeah, but relationship, you see, the word relationship can be anything. Casual relationship. Huh? Shared life. The mixing up of pay attention, because I'll ask it next time. Oh, dear Lord, this is the worst I've had. Covenant is the coming together and the what? Mixing up of lives. You remember my parable? Water and Sprite. Or, you, you, you remember that? That's the mixing up of lives. They come together, not just come together. They do what? They get so mixed up that you cannot separate them. That's covenant. Not every relationship is covenantal. Have you realized that? You go to your jobs tomorrow, you meet people, oh, this is my best friend on the job, that's why, but it's not covenantal. You know how I know he's not coming home with you. Number two, you're not going to share the same cup. Number three, even if he comes home with you, as when you said and say, this is the guest room. Then you take your spouse in the same room because that's covenant relationship. And that's the relationship God wants us to have with him. And do you find that relationship in that verse? Huh? What tells you that about that relationship in that verse? Huh? Look at that verse. Go back. No, not the nature itself. Go back. Partakers. Equal, equal sharers. A partaker means this share belongs to two of us. Not 50%, 50%. It's 100% claim and you have 100%. God allowed us to lay hold on everything he has. 100%. Jesus is the first son. Jesus allowed us to say, Jesus can say, I own this share 100%. And that's what he was as an only child. But when he accepted to be the first child, he said to every other person coming after him, you have equal claim to this child I had. Partaker. Look at the first thing they wanted us to partake of. God wants us to partake of him. His nature. Have you, have you looked at that? Okay. So why did he want us to partake? Those promises that... Through these promises, listen to me, through those provisions, if you continue to receive them by faith, are you following? You keep getting deeper and deeper into the likeness of God. If I was here when I was saved by faith, and I start from here, first level of faith was to receive Jesus. He made me a child of God. He put the nature of God in me. Is that not correct? But every day I keep moving and walking in faith. The Holy Spirit is moving by me. I'm having a relationship there with him. And as I keep going, I keep going deeper and deeper into God. See, are you noticing? Have you noticing that I'm, I'm leaving something behind? Okay, I keep moving this way. I'm, I'm going deeper and deeper into Christ. How? 
by faith. It become exercise faith. I'm receiving this. I'm receiving that. I'm receiving that. Thank God for that. But it's bigger than that. You don't understand what I'm saying. Oh, I got healed last year of this one. So thank God for that. It was by faith. But faith wants to give you something more than being healed. I got promoted on my job. They fired everybody. Left right and center. They were firing people. And they were fired. I kept going in the Lord. In the grace of God. By faith. But notice you are not stationary. You keep going. Let's see what your... Am I walking away from something? And I'm walking into something. What did I say I'm walking into? Divine nature. More and more. Is that correct? Do you want to know what I'm walking away from? Continue on that scripture. Having escaped what? The corruption that's where? In the, that's what I'm walking away from. Through what? Lost. So, there are at least three ways of receiving things if you're living on this earth. One is by lost. The other is by works. The other is by what? Faith. Which ways do the world receive their own? Lost and what? Works. Which way has God appointed that we receive our own? Faith. When you exercise faith, what do you receive? One word. Grace, which includes divine nature. Are you all following what I'm saying? Huh? So but what, when you are going by lust and works, what are you going to receive? Corruption. What does corruption talk about? What belongs to the old Adam? So do you now see that apart from getting this, getting that, getting that, getting that, which my faith is getting, giving me, there is more. What is that more? Relationship. So if I'm receiving things, that's relationship, right? And if I'm receiving things by the way God says I should receive them, and not by loss, not by works, do you see righteousness? You see righteousness there? Okay. And if I don't stop halfway, after today, I received that, and, I'm, and then I see my, my, that my neighbor got something. I say, oh, how did you get it? He tells me how to get it. The Bible says I shouldn't get that way. I say, Bible, for now, let's leave it. Neighbor, show me where you got it. Am I faithful? No. Why? Because I left the world of faith, and I went back to lust and works. Does anybody follow Genesis 15, quickly. Give me Genesis 15. Uh, no, you didn't follow that. Did you follow what I said? Okay, now, I have laid it down. Let's look at some examples in the Bible. Genesis 15. And this is the way you and I have to understand. See, I look at Christians. They think that faith is only about receiving this, receiving that, having this, having that. Ultimately, it comes down to relationship. And that's what makes it serious problem. If God does all those things and you receive all those things... And you can't maintain a relationship with him. Watch. Go to verse, um, verse 6. Verse 6. God showed Abraham. Are you following? Um, how he's going to have a relationship with him. And how the relationship will continue. Go to verse 1 quickly. 
Let's run it quickly. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Did you notice that? Is there a relationship here? Yes. Your reward shall be what? Very great. Abram said, Oh Lord, what will you give me? And that's our problem. We measure God by what he has given us and not given us. Relationship is secondary to us. Look at all God said to Abraham. Then at the end, Abraham said, what have you given me? Did you see that? He said, listen, your reward shall be great. I am your what? Shield. It takes relationship to do that. But God discovered something about Abraham that day. I'll show you what it was. Abraham said, oh, Lord God. Hmm. I don't want to say what you think I'm saying. In pigeon, they will say, not a word I go eat. Not a word I go chop. I give me a son, though. The people, we want what we want. Many times, we don't care. God has a higher purpose, and you're looking at a toy. You know children? Eh? You have a higher purpose for them, they're looking at toys. That's how we are many times. Come on, you don't, you don't agree with me. Why, then why are you looking like you're sleeping? Be excited, somebody! Because you're going to move out from a realm. Abraham said, Oh Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is alias of Damascus. The problem there, Abraham started, has not started using his faith. Watch. He has already started making plans with flesh and lust. Here it was works. At this moment, it was works. You already chosen a Damascus citizen, so you're going to be my son. Okay? Since I'm childless, and the heir of my house, go back, is Eliezer of Damascus. So I've made him the heir. I've willed everything to him. You have to understand, this guy was about 95 years old at the time, 100 years old. Are you following him? So it's time now to will things to people. He made the guy an heir. <laughs> Verse 3, listen to this quickly. And Abraham said, since you have, no, you have given no offspring to me, God, I, you know, this year, 2021, since you have not done this, I'm going to do so and so. You start making plans. 98% of people's plans, relocation, all kinds of things based on what God, what they think God has not given them. Marriage. Come on, help me now. Huh? Everything, finances. Everything based on what they think God hasn't given them. One born in my house is my heir. Four, quickly. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your next, next, next own body. He shall be your heir. That's the promise. In, in Galatia, the book of Galatia referred to this a lot. The prom, child of promise. Verse 5. And he took him outside. Woo! Did you see God's diagnosis? Yeah, yeah. This guy is not using his faith. Let me quicken his faith. 
up to that time, Abraham was using the natural senses. Natural senses didn't see a child on this level. So he saw a Damascus guy. <laughs> Did you see natural senses? But now, God said, let me bring him up. He took him outside and said, now, look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And he said to him, after he started counting, he's like, did you see the stars? He said, yes. Did you count them? So, uh, who can do that? They were in but did you see them? Yes. Were, were they shining? Yes, they were shining. Bright. Could you count them? No. I couldn't. I started a little bit. But he was shocked. So shall your descendants be. Really? So I have children up there I didn't even know. <laughs> yes. That was faith being quickened. The eyes of faith, not no physical eyes. Look at the next verse now. Then he, did you see the word then? Meaning from all this time, he hasn't. But now, he believed in the Lord. Did you notice faith there? It was, his faith was quickened in verse 5. He used that faith now to believe. And what happened? And he reckoned it to him as what? Righteousness. What was he believing God for in verse 4? Anybody? A child known as Isaac. And the rest of the children, some of whom are sitting here. Are you following? That's what he was believing. But you know, after this encounter, it still took some years. But at the moment of this encounter, he received righteousness. <laughs> Did you see something? Listen, you're believing God for an Isaac. At least Isaac, the wife has to be pregnant at least nine months. But before first trimester even started, he said you're righteous for believing. Did you notice that? So, what did it? Faith. But God had to make sure he anchored that faith. If you read down, he asked him to offer sacrifices. Is that correct? And they walked down, and God says, from now on, don't be looking at Isaac as a promise. Be looking at him as a provision. It is done. I don't want to get there. But at least, by faith, Abraham began a new Dimension of relationship with God, known as covenantal what? Relationship. And what happened from that? Righteousness. And also faithfulness. Abraham was faithful. He made a couple of decisions, but he was faithfulness. He had faithfulness. Are you all following? One of the places you think you're going to know by Abraham, he was always where God wants him to be. Because immediately God calls him, he said, here I am. Notice Adam. God called him. God had to ask, where are you? Abraham would say, here I am. <laughs> Did you understand? Adam was hiding. Praise God. Are we following what we are saying here? Huh? All right. Let's look at that scripture. Also was repeated about four times in the New Testament. Abraham believed God it was counted for righteousness. But before we go to that scripture, let's go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Let me show you this relationship thing we're talking about quickly. Hebrews 11, verse 6, quickly. Is somebody's faith being quickened here? And without faith, and, 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 and the faith, this apprehending faith is the faith that's defined in Hebrews 11, 1. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's appropriate in faith. Amen? Okay, what, what happened? And without faith, it is what? Impossible to do what? Please him. You notice that's a function of faith now. I, I, how can you please God? By having a relationship with him based on what? Faith. You notice that? So is that not a higher value relationship, uh, uh, purpose for faith? Is that correct? For he who comes to God must first what? Believe. How can you believe without first seeing him? So you have to see him. Is that correct? And then be persuaded that he does what? He is. He exists. And that he's a rewarder of who? Those who do what? Seek him. He's a rewarder, meaning he's faithful. And therefore, and how are you supposed to seek him? Faithfully too. Next verse, quickly. Next verse. Now, that's another example. This is Noah now. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen. Did you notice that? About what? Things not yet seen by what? Physical eyes. God warned him. And what was it? Rain. In the days of Noah, it didn't rain. The most they had was mist falling in the morning. But God said, Noah is going to rain. Now, when the meteorologist tells us it's going to rain, no big deal. Because we've seen rain since we were born. Is that not correct? But for Noah, it wasn't easy. It's going to rain. Like, What's that? It's going to rain. So, really? It's going to be a deluge. Build an ark. Noah said, until I see the rain, this rain thing you're talking, I've not seen it. Noah started building the ark. I hear a preacher say it boldly. He said, God never told Noah to build an ark. I'm not kidding you. He has followership. Serious. I'm not kidding. You want me to play the tape for you next Thursday? Okay, I will. Some people are, are doubting me. In reverence, he prepared a, a what? An ark. Oh, the preacher said that um, God didn't give Moses the law. He said he was deceived by angels and they gave him law. And he has followers, serious. Prepared an ark for the salvation of his own household. Did you see faith there and belief? Right? By which he did what? He condemned the world. Why? Because the world was dependent on their flesh. And when God said the world ended, they were depending on their ability, pumping, exercising on how to carry their children on the back and their wife. <laughs> and became an elf. What did he become a, an, an elf? Righteousness. Did you notice that again? Out of relationship with God, based on what? Faith. Which is according to what? Faith. Does that prove what I've said? That this faith, when you use it, you not only... Did he receive the salvation, protection, redemption he was looking for? Eh? But something more ab ab above that. What was that? Righteousness. <laughs> Next verse, quickly. Whoa, the time is running. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive as an what? Inheritance. Nine. And he went out not knowing where he was going. No GPS. He didn't call the embassy of that place and say, what's the economy like there? What's the weather like? Are you following? Things we could have done. Go to Bansan Noble. 
get a book that talks about the country. Before you show up, you know what their food is, their culture. <laughs> yeah, he said, leave your father's house. Go where? Follow me. Are you all following? Okay. What at the end? Was he made righteous by that act? Yes. Praise the Lord. Was it based on relationship? Yes. Romans chapter 4. Quickly, let's go. Romans chapter 4. Quick, quick, quick. Romans 4. Alright. We will talk about this in a different series, but just a little bit. Verse 3. Okay. No, you, you, you go back to verse 1. Quickly. Quickly. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, biological, has found? What did Abraham find, really? Is it just Isaac? No. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. You notice that? But not before God. You know he tried works, it didn't work. He tried lust, it didn't work. Works was uh, 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 the Damascus guy. Then after that, the, the wife introduced lust. Say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not the way I used to be. You know, when you met me, I was shining. So don't come near me again, okay? Have you tried that girl? That that moment, Abraham started looking at the girl. The girl will be bringing water. <laughs> Abraham started sizing her up. <laughs> Abraham wasn't looking there, but after that moment. Even when he didn't need water, I asked the girl to come and bring water. That's the problem. Okay? So after they got Ishmael, it's like, okay, we have accomplished. We don't need any other thing. That's when God onboarded them. Next verse. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. You notice that? And it was what? Credited to him as what? Righteousness. There's an accountant somewhere. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 4, quickly. Now to the one who walks, his wage is not credited as favor. When you, is this pay week for many people? For some people. When you get that pay slip, it's not grace from your employer. It's grace from God. But from your employer, no, he's giving it to you because you walked. You didn't get that. Are you following? But as what is what due? Paycheck. Next. But to the one who does not walk, but believe in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as what? As righteousness. You know our forefathers worshipped dumb idols? You know that we ourselves we got in, involved in occultism. Some of us called psychics. Some of us went to native doctor, Obiaman, Babalawo, some of us did it. Those things defied us, corrupted us. We weren't righteous. But you know what made us righteous? The moment we repented of that and came to Jesus. Immediately. Some of us were owing Babalawos and couldn't go back to pay them. Is that not true? Listen, some of you, they still have the calabash pot that you made covenant with, but just because you came to Christ... Here, one of our, br our brethren here, when she came, she said, but pastor, after we did deliverance, she said, but pastor, can I tell you something? I said, yes. He said, I was still owing the man. I said, you're not paying me. <laughs> he said, really? I said, you don't even try and go back there. You're not paying 
begin a dime. Because that's not a regular payment. That's covenant payment. Years ago, in, while I was still in Nigeria, I met a, a lady who was looking for a child, got married, couldn't conceive for years, for years, couldn't conceive. So that afternoon, I was doing deliverance in that city. And her friends, the husband gave her money that morning to go and see the Babalawo. This lady was just, you know, you, you could just see she was really demonized, beautiful. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I tell to Pastor Morin after she will recognize her. So she had had a dream that night and saw they ate the baby and told the husband, the husband said, run to the native doctor. Give her money. So some Christian sisters, those Christian sisters were rough. They can violate anything. They are crazy. So they stopped me in the message say, you must pray for this girl. The husband is looking for her. She has to go home. I said, what happened? They told me, say, husband gave her money to go to the Babylon. So I prayed for her. As I was praying, she was vomiting from the nose, from the mouth, everywhere. She got herself. So I thought it was over. They said, okay, what do we do now? I said, like what? He said, the husband gave her money to give him. <laughs> I said, well, she's not going to go there to begin with. And she's not paying any money. Did you hear me? I said, yes, she was shaking. You know, some husbands are terror. And I wasn't going to go home with her. You know that? At that time, I'm looking for my own head, too. <laughs> but I said, you are not going to, if you hear me shout. You're not going to babala with anything, and you're not paying any dime. He said, "Okay." I said, "Sister, take her home. Take her home. Nothing happened to her till today." And I heard she had the baby. Praise the Lord. So, what made us righteous? The, my point is that there are a lot of things we are even abandoned that without Jesus, those things will follow us. We abandoned them in the babalawos. Yeah, that function. They still have their names, not our names. And feeding them chicken to awaken the covenant. But immediately you went to Christ and go through deliverance. You're declared righteous. You didn't have to go and die on the cross. Because Jesus died. Does anybody follow? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? All right. Verse 14, quickly. Verse 14 of that same passage. Verse 14, quickly. Verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made voice, and the promise is nullified. Who are those who are of the law? That's an, another way people want to relate with God. Two ways people want to relate with God. Law versus what? Grace. Law says if you want to be right with God, you have to keep the commandments of God. Are you following Problem is that a lot of people think that there are 10 commandments. No, but there are 613 commandments. And the principle of law is that you must keep all of them, not just all of them, all the time. If you keep 612 every time and failing one, one time, then you are responsible for the, all the laws, your failures. But grace says, come without your law and receive just have faith that Jesus is the Son of God, the only way to God. I know everybody likes that. And you will be in righteous relationship with God. But listen, grace has its own instructions. 
No, your, your faces have, have, have dropped. Your faces have dropped. Your faces have... You, somebody needs to come and stand there. And see what I'm saying. Even those who were asleep are woken up. Like the dead rising. I wish I said this at the beginning and not last. But did you understand? Grace teaches us. All right. Fifteen. Fifteen. For the law brings about wrath, but where there's no law, there's also no violation. But the long and short there is that we are to relate with God in grace. In grace. Galatians 3, quickly. Give me Galatians 3. We will deal with this next week. Give me actually Galatians 5. Let's look at verse 6. I think are we out of tape there. Just about now. For in Christ, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, those who lived under the law, must be circumcised in order for them to have relationship with God. Are you following? Okay. Neither circumcision nor what? Uncircumcision. The Gentiles. Huh? Means anything. But what's important in relating with God? Faith. Walking through what? Love. Did you see that? Uh-huh. Galatians 3. Go to 3. Quickly. Galatians 3. 1 to 4. Amen. Galatians 3. 1 to 4. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. These were Christians, people who were in the Gentile world. They repented, came to the Lord. You know how they repented and came and started a relationship with God. They believed the message that said Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and was raised again. And they heard that and said, really, that's all you have to do? To be in relationship with God, yes, Paul says yes. It's okay. They threw away their idols and said, count me in. And they started. And the power of God started moving among them. Are you following? Huh? All right. Then some religious people came from Jerusalem and said to them, what did Paul tell you? He said that if we repent and receive Jesus as the only way, they said that Paul, something has gone wrong with that. Are you circumcised? They said no. They said no, you're, you're not saved. Circumcision is a seal of the law covenant. Amen? So he said to them, next verse, this is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit? You know, it's relationship there. Because the Holy Spirit is the seal of your relationship with God. By the works of the law or hearing with faith. Did you notice that? Next verse, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Oh, because I'm circumcised. I stood it. I did it without anesthesia. You were crying like a baby. I didn't cry. So God and I, we are sure that part is. Did you understand? All those who are circumcised here, raise your hand. Raise your hand, no. When God came with a new way, faith in Jesus. And then when you receive that, the Holy Spirit does an inner circumcision of the heart. Amen. Amen. Verse 4. Are you so foolish? No, no. Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Next. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Of course, you know what the answer is, right? Hearing of faith. On what basis does God 
manifest miracles? Is it because of your merits? No. It's because of grace. Remember two men who were praying in the temple. The other one said, Lord, I tithe all the time. I do this all the time. I do this. I'm not like this guy here. And that guy here, I couldn't even look up. He kept saying, have mercy on me, God. Jesus said, he went home. Because his basis of his righteousness is that he knows that of his own, he cannot do anything. Only his faith in God could he be cleared of any sin and guilt. But the other one came up and said, God, you have to listen to me. What sin do you really have on me? You know, somebody not too long ago said, he doesn't even know any sin, he has to be forgiven. You forgot? You didn't forget? You forgot? You forgot. Okay, let me, let's keep it in the, forgetting, in the forgotten file. Wasn't there a politician say, I don't even know a sin, I have to go to God for forgiveness. Huh. Okay. Anyway, it wasn't on WhatsApp. That's why you didn't know that. Eh? He said he has no sin, he has to confess. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, that guy said to God, it's like, I pay my tithe, I do this, I do that, so what? What is it depending on? Works. Do you understand? So, this faith is given to us. We'll look at the other scriptures next week. Apart from receiving this, receiving that, receiving this, it's a way of seeing that God is righteous. And you see that of your, of your own self, you have nothing. That only the righteousness of God can keep you. And when you do that, and when you use it to receive things also, without going, running to lust and running to works, God says to you, Amen? You're righteous. And if you do that consistently, that's faithfulness. Are you following? If you cultivate a habit, if you cultivate a lifestyle that will always shun lust and works and depend on God to receive everything you need, you will maintain a relationship with God. And if that consistency continues, that's reckoned as faithfulness. And the whole outlook will be that of what? Righteousness. Because that's the way God wants things done. Jesus is our righteousness. Why? Because he bore the law. He's the one person who could obey every regulation of the law. You know that? Huh? He was born under the law. He never faltered in one. So, he's the only one that God can go to God and say, I accomplish everything you required of humanity. And no other person. No. So, if God has to accept you based on your works, then we will have to nullify Jesus and what he did. Are you following? So, all of us depend on the merits and righteousness of Jesus. That's why when they ask you a question, do you mean that only Christians will go to heaven? It's not Christians who said that. We didn't design it that way. 
And God didn't want any other person to go, any person to go to hell. But God set a standard and said, this is my righteousness. He has fulfilled all my laws. And I know you can never fulfill it. So if you want to relate with me, then believe him, receive him. And then you say, no, then it's not God's fault anymore. Is that clear now? All right. That's what it is. So lift your hands up if you believe. You can stand now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if this was clear to you. A function of appropriating faith. It goes beyond you receiving what you need for what, you know, provision.